name of this teaching is living by the sin of another. I told Darwin I was going to preach on that. He said, we don't need no help on that. So we're going to start in the beginning. Turn with me to Genesis. And this is the third chapter of Genesis. And we're going to leave, read uh, 1 through 19. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Thou shalt not have eat every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does know in the days that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit of, and did eat, and gave it to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the garden amongst the trees of the garden. They hid amongst the trees. I don't know if they climbed the trees or just hid behind the trees. It doesn't say. And the Lord called unto Adam and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Has thou eaten of the tree where I commanded that you should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave it, gave us to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this thou that... You've done, and she said, The servant beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the servant, Because thou hast done this, or cursed above all cattle, and above all the beasts of the field, and upon thy belly thou shalt go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and thy seed and her seed, and, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and conception and in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be unto thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. You know, that's pretty... I guess you'd call that generic, wouldn't you? God has been dealing with me about reading between the lines because there's a lot of excitement and just whole bunch of stuff that goes on behind the scene that we don't see just reading these scriptures. <clears throat> Excuse me. So God told me to read between the lines. And here's what he gave me. And he said to Adam, I met the most likable and handsome snake today, and he wants to meet you. In fact, he's invited us to a picnic on the shade tree over there, and get this, he's going to furnish all the food. Adam said, I don't know about that. And Eve said, oh, honey, 
So Adam said, all right. Adam and Eve sat under the tree to have a picnic with the food provided by the handsome snake. The snake said to Eve, hey, this is my new craft. I call it sewing. Come here and try it. You might need it sometime. The handsome snake said to Adam, well, Adam, I've looked forward to meeting you. What do you do for a living? And Adam said, I dress the garden. And the snake said, that's not all you're going to dress. And he said, oh, excuse me, I forgot my manners. I called you over here for a picnic. I was going to have sushi, but I couldn't talk any of the fish into it. So the, the handsome snake says, we're going to have fruit. And come here, Eve, it tastes just like watermelon. So Eve took a bite and said, Adam, it does taste like watermelon. And Eve said, take a bite, Adam. And Adam says, I don't know about this. And she said, oh, honey. And Adam said, all right. And he took a bite. And Adam said, whoa, Eve, you better get some clothes on. And Eve says, me, how about you? And the handsome snake said, gotcha. So they hid from in the trees from God. Have you ever hid from God? You ever hid in the bushes from God? I have. And if you're real quiet, he won't know you're there. But you've got to give Adam some credit here. He hadn't been walking in this good and evil long enough to know that he could do that. So they hid in the bushes. And God came in and said, Adam, where are you? Now, he didn't know he could lie. Adam said, I'm over here behind this bush with this naked lady. God said, who told you you were naked? And Eve said, that sneaky snake. And God said to Adam, what happened? Now, Adam's a fast learner. <clears throat> All of a sudden, <clears throat> excuse me, he realizes that he needs to say something that can be passed down to all men. So he said, it's not my fault. It's that honey that you gave me. See, he passed it. He said, it's that honey that you gave me. It's not my fault. Because she told me it was a watermelon. Now, the word in the Greek, it says, Eve was beguiled. Now, that word beguiled means tricked. She was tricked. Now, God had a fix for a trick, but Adam ate of it. And he said that was disobedience. And the word disobedience means to rebel against authority. And so, we begin to live by the sin of another until Jesus came. And we were set free by Jesus. However, sin's always present in the old man. The spirit wars in the flesh. That's in Galatians 5. It says, See, if we walk in the spirit, 
if we, if, if we walk in the Spirit, we're living by the life of another. If we're having trouble walking in the Spirit, we ask God to start with us right where we are. Increase us, and our struggle becomes less and less. Don't get condemned at where you are. Get convinced that you can overcome through Jesus. Thank you. I'm sure that everybody else says thank you too. <clears throat> I tried to overcome by the flesh, and for some reason that didn't seem to work. Some of us have an underlying anger and a frustration because we're trying to walk where God hadn't brought us. One of the things that happens, we hear a teaching and we say, man, that was good, and I embrace that. But for some reason, we're not able to walk in it. So we have this underlying <clears throat> frustration and, and uh, anger. It's not toward anybody. It's just something that's within us because we are trying to live beyond where God has us. I've been there and I've done that. You know, I didn't do it in front of my fan club, but when I got home, my wife and kids caught it. And I wasn't mad at anybody. I was just frustrated and angered about everything. Trying to live where God hadn't brought me. Now we're going to fast forward to the Last Supper. If you'll turn with me to John, the 13th chapter. We're going to see some things here that, for me, I had not really seen before. And I know that it's because I thought I was so familiar with the Scripture. When you come to a place that you're familiar with, you have a tendency to scan over it because you know what that means. But when you go to looking at what happened at the Last Supper, it's not exactly that way. At the Last Supper, Jesus gave Judas a sop of bread dipped in wine. Now, contrary to most thinking, most of the wine at the Supper was in bowls. It was not in drink. And that's because... The bread is different than what we're used to. Now, I'll tell you a true story. Charlotte and I lived in Spain for two years. I was stationed in a NATO base just outside of uh, Madrid called Torrejon. And we lived in a little town a little south of that called Alcala de Herodes. And uh, at that time, Charlotte and I were Catholic. Y'all didn't know that, did you? See, whenever you have a dictator like General Franco, he was a dictator, and he made the statement that nobody could serve on his NATO base unless they were Catholic. So I went to orientation, and he said, once a Baptist, now a Catholic. Once a Baptist, now a Catholic. (laughs) And so we became a Catholic. Because I know the government will not do anything underhanded. You know that. 
Charlotte was a sweet 19-year-old at that time. Not that she's not sweet now, but she was. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> footprint. Okay. <laughs> and we had on the, on the base, we had a commissary, which was, you know, just like a regular supermarket. That the, the, if you was in the military, you could go in there and buy whatever you needed. But once in a while, we would run out of bread. And Charlotte would uh, go down on the local market down to a place called a Panaria. I probably didn't pronounce that right, but it means bread store. Now, this bread is different than what we're used to because they didn't serve fresh bread. They baked the bread, and then they let it set for a couple of days to cure, and it cured. The thing about the Spanish people over there, nobody ever told them about a a line or standing in line is more like a hockey game. When it started, everybody elbowed and pushed to the front. And Charlotte, being from the panhandle of Texas, got shoved to the back of the line. And every time she stepped up, somebody would elbow her and step in front of her. And so she kept getting to the back of the line. Now, you have to remember that Next door to this was a coal where you could buy coal. And these guys that served the breads also served the coal. And they didn't have any of this stuff. And so they would come up there and, and, and they would stand behind this counter and, and these people would holler at them and they would hand them bread and hand them bread. And after a while, he would notice Charlotte at the back being pushed to the back. And so he would pick up a piece of bread and pass it to her. Now, if she didn't catch it, it would knock her down. And it looked like a football. It was about that long, but it was about that big around. A skinny football. But this guy could pass it pretty good. And so, <clears throat> the bread served two purposes. One of them, you could eat it. Or if you was building something and you want to drive a nail, you could drive a nail with it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That's why Jesus knew all about bread, because he was a carpenter. Now, I want you to demonstrate what the Last Supper was like. Now, this is from the book of Jerry, chapter 1 again. And Jesus would speak to his disciples as he ate. And he said, one of you here is going to betray me. And the disciples were shocked. And they began to say, is it I? Is it I, Lord? Is it I? But then John said, it can't be me because I'm the one he loves. And this other one said, well, it can't be me or my brother because Mama's already talked to him about being on the right and the left hand. And they started jockeying for position in the kingdom. And Jesus finally got, you know, he just shook his head. He got up and went and got a pail of water. And a towel. And he came in and he started washing their feet. And he came to Peter and Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet. And he said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then it got quiet as a pen in there. And Jesus says, do you understand what I just done to you? 
if you're going to be the greatest in my kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. And then he started with the bread. He said, this bread is my life. I will carry your griefs, not your diseases, and your sicknesses. This bread is my life. I will carry your sorrows, your afflictions, and your pains. This bread is my life. I will carry your transgressions. That is, your rebellion. This bread is, is my life. And I'll carry your iniquities, your evil faults. This bread is my life. I will carry your peace, your safety. This bread is my life. I will carry your healing and to cause you to be made whole. And this bread is my life, and I will carry your judgment. That's the wrath that's due you. They said, this, is my, this bread is my life. I'll carry your griefs, your diseases, and your sorrows. This bread is my life. I will carry your afflictions and your pains. This bread is my life. I'll carry your transgressions. That's your rebellion. This bread is my life. I will carry your iniquities, your evil thoughts. This bread is my life. I will carry your peace, your safety. This bread is my life. I'll carry your healing. I'll make you whole. This bread is my life. I'll carry your judgment. The wrath is due you. This bread is my life. I'll carry your griefs, your diseases, and your sickness. But we both can't carry it. Let me carry it. Or you'll have to carry it. This bread is my life. I carry your sorrows, your afflictions, and your pains. But we both can't carry it. Let me carry it. Or you'll have to carry it. This bread is my life. I carry your transgressions, your rebellion. But we both can't carry it. Let me carry it. Or else you'll have to carry it. This bread is my life. It carries your iniquities, your evil thoughts. But we both can't carry it. Let me carry it. Or you'll have to carry it. This bread is my life. I'll carry your peace and your safety. But we both can't carry it. Let me carry it. 
or else you'll have to carry it. This bread is my life. It carries your healings. I'll make you whole. Let me carry it. But we both can't carry it. Let me carry your healing. Or else you'll have to carry it. This bread's my life. It carries your judgment. Let me carry it. Because you can't carry it. Only I can carry it. Turn with me to John, the twelfth chapter. Verse 27. Wrong page. Okay. Starting with verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause I came unto this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the people that stood by heard it, and they said it thundered. Others said, An angel spoke to me. And Jesus said, This voice came not for me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment upon this world, and the prince of this world is cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He said this, signifying what death he should die. I've read that over and over and over. And then I heard, this is not original with me. Then I heard someone say something that blew me away. If you'll notice there, it says, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Men's italicized. That means this wasn't in the original Greek. So you get it back in context to what he's talking about. And he said, Now is the judgment of this world, and the prince of this world shall be cast out. He's talking about judgment here. And he said, and I, if I be lifted up, the word lifted in the Greek means I will be a barrier or a barricade. And I will draw all rebellion unto me. And he said this signifying the purpose of his death. See, that's something you have to check out for yourself, but... He took the rebellion. He became a barricade and he took the rebellion of all unto himself. And I had never seen that before. I'd never looked at it that way before. It's one of those familiar verses that I just read over. And I didn't look into it deep. (laughs) 
Another belief that I had that God blew away this week at the Last Supper, Jesus didn't eat. Jesus didn't drink. You look it up, it says that he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, share this among you. For I'll not eat of this bread until I eat with you at my Father's table. And it says, likewise, he took the drink and gave it to him. said, this is the drink of my New Testament. Share it among you. But he didn't drink. Now, <clears throat> Luke 22, verse 20, it said something I'd never seen before. It says, after supper. They went through all of that, and then after supper, it says Jesus picked up the glass of wine. And he said, this is my New Testament for you. You can't drink it. I have to drink it all. And then he said, I'll not drink of this wine again until I drink it with you and with you and with you and with you in my Father's kingdom. We have a banquet coming. We have a banquet coming. Now this next is not for me either. This was something Joseph Prince said in one of his teachings. It, it too kind of blew me away. Because it's talking about judgment. And that's in uh, 1 Corinthians verse 29. I'm sorry, verse 11. Corinthians 11, 29. I'll get it right here in a minute. Now, after supper, and this, in the margin of this here in Corinthians, it says, after supper. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is a new testament of my blood. As often as you do this, drink it, remember me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of Christ. Let each man examine himself, and let him so eat the bread and drink of that cup. Okay, now pay attention to this. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, unworthily means irreverently. That's what it says in the Greek, irreverently. And eateth and, drink, eateth and drinketh damnation unto himself. Damnation is uh, a function and effect of a decision. For this cause, many are weak. And that word weak is feeble without strength. And sickly, which means full of infirmities. 
and many sleep. That's die without the active knowledge of the truth. Die without the active knowledge of the truth. Paraphrasing that, it says, For as often as you eat of this bread out of love, and not a ritual, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily or irreverently, not believing its purpose, shall be guilty and liable for the condition that comes upon the physical body. But let a man examine and dis- by discernment of his true belief, eat of the provision provided by the bread for the body, and drink which is the new covenant purchased in my blood. For he that eateth and drinketh irreverently must carry for himself damnation, which is a function and effect of the decisions to withdraw from its divine purpose. For this cause, which is a channel of an act, many are weak and feeble, without strength, sickly, full of infirmities, and sick unto physical death. When you take communion, just say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but help me understand by faith. Because in 2 Timothy 2.13, he said, If we believe not... Yet he is faithful. He cannot deny himself. He gave us authority as believers. You know, I, I noticed something. Between Malachi and Matthew was 429 years. 429 years that nothing was recorded for us. There was no prophets that was raised up that we have any recordings of. It reminds me of the children of Israel. They were in bondage 430 years. And then another Old Testament prophet was raised up, and his name was John. Now, he's recorded in the New Testament, but he's an Old Testament prophet. He's an Old Testament prophet. And it says in Matthew 11, start with verse 12, it says, And from the days of John the baptizer. Now, it says John the Baptist. I always thought he started my Baptist church, but he didn't. The word in the Greek is baptizer. John the baptizer. From the days of John the baptizer until now. Now the word until means there's a change coming. If I tell you to stay here until I come back, you stay here. But when I come back, that means there's a change coming. John come in saying, there's a change coming. And he began to preach the kingdom of God. (laughs) Jesus gave you and me the authority to overcome anything that comes against us. Not by fighting in the flesh, but by standing on the word and understanding our position in Christ. 
in um, uh, Luke ten nineteen, he said, Behold, I give you power to tread up over all serpents and scorpions, and none of the, uh, the enemy shall hurt you. No power of the enemy will hurt you. He said, I give you power. That's divine authority. And the second power, where it says, over the power of the enemy, means a force or strength or violence. So what he was saying to him is, Behold, I give you the authority over all of the violence of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Nothing by any means shall hurt you. Now, that was a transfer that's now a permanent transfer to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. In uh, Genesis, first chapter, verse 26, when God said, let us make man in our image and let us give him dominion over everything. He made Adam the God of this world. Everything that happened in this world had to come through Adam. He, he created the animals and he brought them before Adam and whatever Adam called them, that's what they were. So that authority and dominion belongs to us. And sometimes we pray, we pray amiss, we say, oh Jesus, I want you to do this for me. Jesus has already done all he's going to do. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting, expecting. He gave us that authority. Instead of me saying, oh, Lord, do something for Kent, he's probably telling me, you go see what you can do for Kent because that's my authority. That's my dominion. So we need to be careful what we say and how we say it because telling Jesus to do something is a slap in his face because he's already done it. He's already done it. In Proverbs it says, For a man, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That word means a gatekeeper for your life. A gatekeeper in your life. You are responsible for what comes into your life. You have the decision to make. With everything there comes a decision. With the decision comes consequences. We need to make good decisions. So we have good consequences. James says, Let no man say when I'm tempted, I am tempted of God, for God tempts no man. And he cannot be tempted. We try to bargain with God. God, if, if you do this, here's what I'm going to do for you. Yeah, you can't do anything for God. You can't do anything for God. Jesus gave the authority, gave us the authority to speak things to change the outcome of our situation. When we're in the midst of this situation, everything looks bad. That's why we can't go by the side of our eyes. But we have to go by the faith which God's put in us. And that faith will speak to that situation and see a change. And I'm not telling you something haven't experienced. When you get as 
old as I am, you've experienced a lot of things. But one thing I do know, God has always been faithful. Even when I didn't see it, even when I did, that nothing showed that it was going to change, in the end, I had to say God was faithful. Joseph Prince said, we pray and we pray amiss. We pray for Jesus to do something that he cannot do because the authority he's given us. You see, when he makes a covenant, he doesn't change his covenant. He doesn't change his covenant. He's given us that covenant to do that. Jesus will not interfere with your dominion. See, that puts it right back on you. Puts it right back on me. God will not interfere with the dominion that He's already given us. Well, according to this, it's time to go. Father, we thank you for giving us dominion. We thank you for your, your bread of life that gives us life. And Lord, we just ask that you begin to move in our life. And and we confess, Lord, there's lots of things we don't understand. But Lord, we know that in time, you will mature us into knowing what that is. And so, Father, we just ask you to continue your work within us. Keep us showing us different things. Don't let us get so set in the scriptures that we just believe what we think we know. But we look to see what you said. But we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dismissed.